check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome, one and all, to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean, and I have a heck of a show for you today. So we're stepping back from our divisional previews. Okay, we just finished the East this past week, and starting Wednesday, we're going to jump right into the North. We're going to do NFC North and then AFC North on Friday. But today, we are covering the top units in the NFL. So I've got two Gridiron Heroics writers coming on to do the offensive side with me, and then I've got one of our Gridiron Heroics writers coming on to do the defensive side with me. But first, before any of that, as always, I have my good friend Julius Lux with me to talk about the football news in the world. How are you doing, Julius? I'm doing well. Just, you know, enjoying the weekend. Football's back per usual, so can't complain. How about yourself? I'm great, and uh, I have to admit that I, I've stolen Julius away from his his weekend vacation here for a quick <laughs> news breakdown. Not so a problem at all. You. Of course, anytime. So let's jump right into it. It's a longer episode. Let us not waste any time this morning. What is your first headline for today? So the first headline, we have uh, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford is apparently dealing with a hardcore elbow tendonitis. It is in his throwing elbow, of course. He did not participate in spring workouts and reps were limited earlier this week. The Rams are very optimistic, though, with his arm. He did practice slightly this past week, towards the end of the week, and the Rams were pretty impressed with how he looked despite the tendonitis. So, you know, as long as he's healthy and he's, you know, he's he's 100% ready to go by the time the regular season starts, he should be all good, ready to go. Yeah, so this is it's definitely something we're going to have to track throughout the season, uh, throughout the preseason. I don't know if you've ever had tendonitis before in your elbow. Julius Julius is a baseball player. So <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. Uh you're you're never lucky had tendonitis. Cause... I just had um I did have one like growth plate issue in my elbow. So that was really painful. So I can't imagine what tendonitis is like. It stinks. And it's not something you get as a quarterback super often because the throwing motion for a quarterback, it's it doesn't whip the elbow quite as much, right? You come generally, if you have good technique, you come over the top a little bit more and you don't always throw the ball as hard as you can. But in baseball, like you, you whip that elbow a lot more when you throw, and especially because there's so many different kind of throwing motions for baseball players. And you generally throw the ball a lot harder. Like you're trying to get that ball to first base or you're trying to get it back to home plate, right? Or if you're pitching. So, it's more common in baseball and it's it hurts so bad it hurts so so bad and it's like as soon as it goes away you you just make one movement even if you're not throwing that just puts a little strain on that elbow and it's just it's back instantly so it's something that really lingers and to be perfectly honest I'm this is just me not being an injury expert just but with my experience with that pain and realizing the only thing that helped it was just rest I'm a little surprised they are having him practice with it. I know that they want to get the reps and everything like that, but honestly, he's such a veteran. I would just let him be. That's my personal take on it. But that's it's maybe it's a good 
good sign that he's practicing. Maybe it, it makes you a little bit nervous, um, but we'll have to follow that throughout the summer. What else you got for us? I got news this morning that Kareem Hunt, running back for the Cleveland Browns, requested a trade, according to sources, but the Browns declined his request. Hunt is in his final year of a two-year, $12 million deal, and he is not practicing team drills as of this week because of his desire to get an extension. And so far, he has not gotten it, so he did request for a trade, and the Browns declined. Yeah, well, the last thing the Browns need right now is <laughs> any other distraction or, or anything else, period. Look, they got him at a time where his value was low because of off-the-field stuff, and it's been one of the best deals in the NFL because he's a very impactful player. Now, if they didn't have Nick Chubb, he would probably be even more of an impactful player. I understand, A, why they don't want to extend him because running back shelf life is a little limited. Plus, they've got another very good, more expensive player to go along with him. But I also understand why they don't want to trade him because that running game is probably the strength of their offense, especially with the questions surrounding Deshaun Watson. So, you know, if I was him, I would be applying pressure. You know, I, I would I, I would be doing anything I can to get them to commit some amount of money to, to me, you know, they're in such upheaval and they're going to be so dependent on that running game that if I was trying to do as much as I could to maximize my earnings as a player, now is definitely the time for him to go after it. So I, I get it from both ends, but I would keep, keep grinding if I was him. I absolutely agree. Next, we have eight new members of the Hall of Fame were inducted on Saturday. The class includes Tony Boselli, who becomes the first Jacksonville Jaguar enshrined into Canton, Ohio. Yeah, it's a good class. Uh, we don't really have time to go through all the credentials of, of everybody there. But the biggest thing about this news is what it tells to me is football is back, right? This is it. I mean, obviously, we all follow along with training camp or watching those guys, you know, playing in shells then playing in pads. But it's a lot of drills. The The Hall of Fame induction ceremony, it's almost a ceremony to kick off the new football season as well. So I love it. I absolutely agree. Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas participated in 11-on-11 drills for the first time since the end of the 2020 season. He is in his recovery process after having surgery on his ankle that caused him to miss all of 2021. So it's exciting to get a stud receiver back on the gridiron for sure. Yeah, I, let's hope he can be a stud for them because they they need it. Um, you know, that is a, a, a solid team. It's got a good offensive line, has a really good defense. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how stoked you are for the quarterback situation, but it's definitely not the worst situation in the league. That's for sure as well. The one real question is the skill group because, you know, with Alvin Kamara, who... I can't remember exactly what his status is as far as the potential suspension for what happened um, at the Pro Bowl. We'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, if you don't have him for any stretch and you're relying exclusively on basically Chris Olave as your skill guy, that's not enough. And who knows what he's going to look like after this much time away from the game. But at least getting him back out there practicing is a huge first step. Absolutely agree, and let's all hope he comes back ready, you know, ready to go 100%. Panthers head coach Matt Rule is not in a rush to name QB1 for the Carolina Panthers. The battle, of course, between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and rookie Matt Corral. 
will not have a final decision until after the August 19th matchup against the Patriots. That is about the expected time close sources believe the head coach will make his decision. Yeah. Um, remember how I was just mentioning that Jameis Winston wasn't the worst quarterback. This situation? one might be, this one might be worse for sure. <laughs> yeah. This might be up there with the worst quarterback situations in the NFL. You know, at least you have some physical talent competing with one another, but you know, you know what they say, if you have two means you have none. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's true 100% of the time, but there's some legitimacy to that. And, and this reflects it. Look, after watching Sam Donald play for, you know, four years of his career, be a starter consistently in that time, say what you will about Baker Mayfield, but it is hard for me to believe that Sam Darnold is going to win that job. When he had Christian McCaffrey out there and he could just dump the ball off or throw a slant to McCaffrey, you know, on 80% of the offensive plays or just hand it off to him, then, yeah, he looked fine. His efficiency went up. But as soon as he didn't have McCaffrey, like, he completely fell apart. Completely. And, you know, obviously the supporting cast is important to a quarterback, but, but you got to be able to do more than what he has done in his career. So I, I'm sure it's a legitimate battle, but it's hard for me to believe that Sam Darnold would actually come out on top for that one. I agree, especially, you know, the team just acquired Baker Mayfield, so that just speaks for itself if you're willing to give up, you know draft pick and bring in another QB that was a former number one pick as well. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. Other than that, just, you know, just, sl just slightly mentioning the hall of fame game also occurred on this past Thursday between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders and the Raiders gave Josh McDaniels a happy homecoming with a 27 to 11 victory. And that is all the news I have for you. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much, Julius. We're going to jump right into the offensive skill groups okay we're going to talk to uh, Stephen Findlay and Kyron Samuels we're going to talk about the best quarterbacks the best offensive lines and the best uh, skill groups and then I'm going to have a conversation with Ian Alden about the best defensive units as well but before we do that Julius tell everybody where they can find you so you can find me on Twitter at gotjuice44 as well as you can check out gridironheroics.com and just check out my articles that are posted up on there as well as Facebook. That's just Julius Lux on Facebook. Beautiful. See you soon, Julius. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs> Take care. Thank you again. And I told you, we sat down in that room, and I said, hey, you're going to be the greatest receiver ever do this. I told you, all of my critics, I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. I don't suck compared to you. Like, you, you suck compared to me. All right, fellas, I am super excited to welcome two new guests today. First of all, we have Kyron Samuels. He's a writer for Gridiron Heroics covering Alabama, Jackson State, and the Miami Dolphins. Now, Kyron also played some college ball. He played guard at Jacksonville State, was all-conference, where they won three straight conference championships as well, moved on to the Arena Football League playing with the Baltimore Brigade and Tampa Bay Storm at center. And he hit the XFL for a brief moment before an unfortunate injury. So I'm super excited to have you on, Kyron, especially because we will be talking a little bit of offensive line today. Um, I'm interested to see what you have to say. Now, we also have Stephen Findlay. He's a writer for Gridiron Heroics covering the Kansas City Chief and Kansas. 
And Stephen's also a play-by-play guy for Alpha Media USA Radio. Kyron, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing pretty good, man. Nice to be on. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. What about you, Stephen? How are you today? Doing great, Max. Uh, love that we could get the Gridiron podcast going and talk some football with you guys. Yeah, I'm stoked. This is definitely going to be the deepest dive into football that we've been able to do so far. You know, as we roll through the summer, we're going to be doing a lot of kind of cursory team check-ins, some previews, but here and there, we will really get to talk some ball too. Um, And I know you're excited, man. You hit me up early in the morning. Good morning. Let's talk football. That's (laughs) me, man. That is me. All right, guys. So we got a lot to go over. uh, So we're going to jump right into it. Now, the way that we've broken this conversation down is we're going to talk about our top five in the NFL at a few position groups. We've got quarterback, we've got offensive line as a whole, and we have skill groups as a whole. So that's going to include a team's wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, the whole bunch together. Because instead of just listing the best wide receivers or the best running backs, this is really going to give you an idea of who are the best in the NFL as a, a larger core. All right. So first off, we are going to do quarterbacks. And this is going to be as, you know, divisive as ever for, for people. Like there's nothing that people like to do more than rank quarterbacks. So I'm going to give you the first opportunity, Kyron. Let us know from five to one who your top five quarterbacks are. And if you want to throw in anybody that just missed the cut, you go right ahead. All right. So uh, coming in at number five, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. I know that's going to be a controversial controversial for a lot of people, but I've seen enough. Um, the guy led this offense to fourth in total yards produced in the NFL. And if you watch the offensive line play, if you know their limitations at wide receiver speed-wise, uh, it's, it's no small feat. I think when you look at the way he played in the Raiders game at the end of the season last year, there's no doubt this guy is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. When you just look at the skill set and the production. Um, number four, I'm going to go Josh Allen. I think uh, his overall production with his legs and his arm is just incredible. Um, he could take care of the ball a little bit better, but, I mean, that guy is just incredible. You see the things that he does and the way he's progressed over the course of his career. Uh, he played a perfect football game against the Chiefs in the playoffs, a perfect football game. I think when you uh, project where he's going to go this season and beyond, I think he comes in steady at number four. Uh, for me, number three, Patrick Mahomes. Like I said, with Josh Allen, he can take care of the ball a little bit better, but he's still learning. I mean, he's a young guy. This is only He's going into his fifth season in the league, so he's going to get better, in my opinion. And he lost Tyreek. That's going to sting a little bit, but they have no shortage of weapons there in Kansas City. I think he'll be fine. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy calling plays. He's going to put up another crazy season. And uh, we'll see. I think we'll see improvement from Pat this year. Number two, I got Aaron Rodgers. Um, nobody takes care of the ball like this guy. He he takes care of the ball better than anybody in the league. Uh, he makes throws that nobody else can make. Uh, he's as consistent as ever. And I think we'll see Aaron Rodgers continue to be Aaron Rodgers. They paid him like it, so <laughs> we expect him to continue to do it. And this might be controversial for some people, but I'm going to go Tom Brady at number one. I mean, the guy's coming. He's 45 years old now, I believe, coming off of leading the NFL and passing yards and passing touchdowns as a 44-year-old. As long as he's playing, he's probably going to be number one for me. And I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to argue against that. I mean, the production speaks for itself. So that's my top five quarterbacks. 
solid ranking, man. I, I feel you. I absolutely do. And when it gets back around to me, uh, I, I'll make a few opposing points, but I like it. It's definitely well thought out. And I can see how you arrived at that list. No doubt about it. All right, Stephen, let's hear it. Well, uh, try to hide my facial expression on some of my picks, just not to give away, you know, how I kind of felt. Uh, I definitely <laughs> agree, though, with Kyron about number five. I think Justin Herbert is he's verified, if you can use that terminology. Uh, 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 15 picks. You know, 15 picks is not the best, but he's a young player. He tries to make the big plays most of the time, and he has the ability to do that. And I think he's already pushing the envelope of the AFC West, kind of turning it over to maybe the the new uprising of the Chargers. So I like Herbert at five. Uh, I have Rodgers at four. Uh, this might be a bit surprising. I think it's still giving due credit. He's still a top five quarterback. However, I think the loss of Devontae Adams is key, and Aaron Rodgers can work with pretty much anybody. He's done it most of his career, having a primary number one, having a couple of secondary guys that can make catches when they have to. But uh, I, I just don't think he's top three doesn't mean he's not elite and this is an elite group of people so i got a rod four uh i got old man brady three got tom number three you know the old man keeps knocking keeps doing his thing uh one still probably the highest football iq still probably the most durable athlete that we've seen in american sports uh and still can really sling the ball i know a lot of people kind of like to clown tom say he can't throw it as much and you know maybe the yards after catch kind of contribute to that but I think Tom Brady still obviously has it and he's just working with another offense kind of also consistent of old men in his core but we'll talk about that on the skills group uh number two uh it hurts me as a Kansas City Chiefs fan to say but I have Patrick Mahomes number two um I, I think he didn't regress in any way but I definitely think we saw Patrick Mahomes be a lot more human we saw Patrick Mahomes make a lot more mistakes that you would expect from a guy who hasn't been in the league, you know, more than five or six seasons. The, these are still things that he's working out and he has a different team to work with. And I think it's Patrick Mahomes' true season to prove himself without Tyreek Hill uh, to kind of show the NFL that he is that guy. And number one, I have Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen, for me, uh, propelled after watching, you know, the start to finish of that game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, 6'6" physical specimen, very mobile, very smart IQ, has a great can. And honestly, the Bills probably should have been in the AFC Championship. And I think that says a lot about, you know, just how good Josh Allen is himself, working with a receiving core that primarily only has Stephon Diggs, but Josh Allen also had some other guys step up big. Gabriel Davis comes to mind. Uh, I think Knox also is on that receiving core. So I like Josh Allen, best quarterback in the league going into the new season. Right on. Okay. I'm excited to, to to stack up my list here. Okay, first off, my number five is a little different from you guys, and I understand why you see that. I, I absolutely do. But I've got Joe Burrow at number five for the Bengals. For me, Burrow is, he has a quality that I haven't seen in a quarterback since Tom Brady, and he's absolutely cutthroat on the field. And that's what elevates him a little bit for me. I think if you put Joe Burrow in uh, Justin Herbert's body, he probably would already be undisputably the best quarterback in the league. I, I think what Joe Burrow can do, and look, he's not that limited physically. You know, he just doesn't have that elite skill set, uh, the, elite, the elite physical traits. But 
the way he sees the field, the way he navigates the pocket to me is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I, you know, I, that was a better Super Bowl for me than for a lot of people. I think there, there were some uh, knocks on it as an, as entertainment value, but personally I thought it was, was awesome watching him try and overcome what his offensive line was. I mean, you know, scary, but, but cool to watch. Um, that puts Tom Brady for me at number four. So Brady is an excellent quarterback. He still commands the field to a tremendous degree, but of the guys on this list, I think he's the only one who depends that much on the supporting cast. Now, I think he could probably make it work with, you know, a little bit less than what he's got going on in Tampa right now, but we did see his last year with uh, New England. It it wasn't the Tom Brady that we saw of old. There were legitimate questions about did he still have it, you know? And people, some people thought he did, some people thought he didn't. The general consensus was we'll see because he didn't have the best weapons. Well, he goes to Tampa, he has an elite offensive line, and he has an elite weapons, and he bounces back and has an elite season. But I do think just because of the limited mobility at his age, and we'll see if this happens this year, if he doesn't have that solid interior offensive line, I think he's gonna he would be affected by that the most out of everybody else on this list. Number three, I've got Josh Allen of the Bills. So I think ceiling-wise, he probably has the highest ceiling of these of this list. The best of the best of what we've ever seen on the field from these guys, he's probably number two, but he's a little bit more inconsistent than the other two that I have ranked above him. He, the Bills offense kind of goes to sleep at times. You know, they, they lost games to not very good teams throughout this season. And yes, the best is amazing when it's out there, but I don't want to just keep that playoff game in my mind. You know, not just the one, but there were a couple, but I don't want to look at just that. I want to look at the course of the season and he's still a little inconsistent. At number two, I've got Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes is is truly incredible. And if we talked about it before the season we just had, he would be my number one. But again, offense kind of went to sleep at times last year. I do wonder if he's just so used to being able to close out games that he, he he's not maybe not quite as focused and quite as cutthroat as I would like to see him early in games. I have a bit of a feeling that he just is so confident that he'll be able to overcome that he just doesn't have his foot on the gas 100% of the time. And I don't know that for sure, but that's just my my takeaway watching. So now I'm hopeful and interested to see if with lesser talent at the receiver position, he is a little bit more all gas for the entirety of games. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, the consistency speaks for itself. The winning speaks for itself. I know that there is some, you know, questions in the playoffs. But let's be honest, the Packers didn't lose those games over the past few years in the playoffs all because of Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, for for us to criticize his play, he's still better than almost every other quarterback in the league. You know, there, there were notable issues with special teams and some decision-making. LaFleur is a great head coach, but he was still young through some of those years. So for me, he is the best in the NFL. He still has all of the physical traits he, that he always had, you know, or at least close to, but he commands the offense almost as well as Tom Brady. So that puts him at number one for me. Okay, 
Moving into the offensive line, uh, I'm definitely curious to hear Kyron's, but we're going to let you go first for this one, Stephen. Who are your top five offensive lines in the NFL? Well, uh, I can do my best offensive line. Watching is not my forte. It's not It's not my <laughs> biggest cup of tea on game day, but I, I've begun to appreciate uh, what an O-line can mean for a team a lot more when you see, for example, the Bengals, or you see uh, the Chiefs a couple years ago in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, where Patrick Mahomes had the most traversal. So uh, I think it's very important, and I will start off with the Packers at number five. Uh, a theme that I kind of found doing, you know, looking at these offensive lines was just being healthy. I think most of these offensive lines taking into consideration and being as healthy as they can be really is important to determine whether or not, you know, they, there's going to be some drop off if they're pretty good. And I also think the value of the team is important. So uh, for the Packers, it's just being healthy. And last season compared to two seasons ago, Aaron Rodgers got sacked 10 more times. He is aging. So they're, they're going to have to protect him. They're, they're going to have to keep him fresh and make sure he's not hitting the turf too often. Uh, at number four, I have the Cowboys O-line. And another thing about the Cowboys O-line, once again, is, is health issues. It, when healthy, the Cowboys O-line has some of the best protection in the league. They usually give Dak plenty of time to throw the ball. Uh, they can open up gaps for Zeke whenever he's getting going, or Tony Pollard also a great option on the Cowboys. But uh, I, I think the Cowboys O-line usually is pretty good. Uh, they have Terrence Steele uh, stepped up in an undrafted position and balled out for them last year. So if he comes into form, plays even better, I think the Cowboys will have a better offensive line. Uh, number three, I have the Cleveland Browns. Um, with the uncertainty of, you know, fully what's going on with Deshaun Watson, uh, I mean, Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt themselves, I think, are a huge contributor to the Browns' success. And that also comes with their offensive line. Uh Health is the name of the game once again, and they, they they maintain a healthy offensive line. I think they have a top three, and they could really punish teams on the ground. We saw Nick Chubb's numbers last season. I mean, a very electrifying guy, and that's getting us some credit to the old line. Uh, at number two, I have the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they picked up Luke Godek uh, from Central Michigan. He was a round two pick, uh, really, really highly liked by the scouts and, and by, you know, the people who look at these offensive linemen in the draft. So I think that's a big thing. They have Shaq Mason on that line. And uh, it's just all about, you know, protecting the GOAT, protecting the guy, Tom Brady at the quarterback spot uh, for the Buccaneers is, is going to be crucial if they want to be successful in potentially his last season. And number one, I have the Eagles. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts is benefiting from having a great offensive line, great veteran play. Uh, you have Mylotta, hopefully I said his name right, uh, top three player uh, for the offensive line position, did, did some research on him, very, very good. Lane Johnson, also very strong. And outside of, you know, those two elite guys, I mean, the other guys on the line are very good. They're, they're, there's not really a drop-off, and they, they keep every area of the line covered, and I think that's really beneficial for the Eagles if they want to take the NFC East this season. Yeah, you know, I think for me, offensive line, it's – unique because star potential or star power matters but i it was hard to me to for, to justify putting in an offensive line that didn't have at least a quality starter at every single position because it's just it's a group that really suffers if there's that one weak link so i think that influenced my list a little bit kyron what about you who are your top five all right, so I want to clarify. A couple of these picks are more projection than actual sure. realized uh, game evidence. So 
at number five, I'm going to go Los Angeles Chargers. So from everything I'm hearing from my teammates and everybody that I play with, that Zion Johnson and Jamari Salyer are the real deal. They're yep. absolutely killing it at camp right now. So I'm going to project them to end up working their way into the starting lineup. And you match them with Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley, two all pros. And in my opinion, Corey Lindsley is the best center in football right now. I know Jason Kelsey and uh, Ryan Jensen get all the love, and deservedly so. They're all pros, no doubt about it. Really good players. But Corey Lindsley has quietly been the best center in football for probably the last three seasons, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When you factor in the fact that Trey Pipkins has looked really good in camp, I think he's going to hold up. And he anybody can be better than Storm Norton than was last year. I'm sorry. I, I like the guy. He, yeah. He's a good guy. But, I mean, anything is better than what he was giving you. So addition by subtraction, essentially, I think when you factor in the potential of that group, they're going to be incredible this year. Um, they were fourth in total offense last year. So I know that they could have been better, but you don't get fourth in total offense with the bad offensive line. You just don't. Number four, and this is a little bit of what Steven was saying with the health, I'm going to go Cleveland Browns. I think when they're healthy and whole, they could arguably be number one. But right now I'm going to go with number four because some of the health issues and, you know, they got rid of J.C. Treader. They didn't want to pay him. And, you know, nobody knows what Nick Harris has yet. But they are very confident in him. I have some, you know, sources in that camp, and they say that he's doing very well and that they've been grooming this guy and that they really like him. But when you add in, they're the most credentialed offensive line in football. Uh, Joel Batonio is a four-time All-Pro. Jack Conklin's a two-time All-Pro. Wyatt Taylor's a two-time All-Pro. Uh, when Jedrick Reels is healthy, he plays as good as any young offensive lineman in football. So health permitting, I think they'll be incredible this year. And like you said, with the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson and, and who's going to play quarterback for extended reps for them right now, the offensive line is going to be the key to that team. Protecting Jacoby Brissett or whoever ends up being in there is going to be key to what any success they have this year. So I think the Cleveland Browns coming in at number four is a good spot for them. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs for me. I think when they added Pro Bowler, Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, I mean, you add those guys from that offensive line when they went to the Super Bowl in 2021, they've probably retooled an offensive line faster than I've ever seen in the history of football. I mean, it's absolutely incredible how fast that they retooled that offensive line. They gave up the fourth least amount of sacks last year. And, you know, that's no small undertaking when you have somebody who freestyles as much as Patrick does. It's incredible. I just said I'm blown away with how fast they retooled that offensive line because they look very bad against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And now – going into the 2022 season they're undoubtedly top three especially when you consider projections and where they're gonna go and how much better they're gonna get they're incredibly young up there so i think the kansas city chiefs are looking great for the future at the offensive line and this is where it gets tricky for me because i had to take into account the ryan jensen injury Mm -hmm. so i'm going to put the Tampa Bay buccaneers in number two because of the ryan jensen injury last year in my opinion they were the best undoubtedly offensive line in in the NFL. So when you add in, you know, Tristan Wirth as all pro, Ron Jensen, all pro Donovan Smith has over 110 starts. I mean, he started shaky at the beginning of his career, but the last three seasons, he's been rock solid at left tackle. Um, you add Shaq Mason, a guy, in my opinion, who should have uh, multiple pro bowls, maybe an all pro sprinkling in there. He was incredible with his time at, uh, at the Patriots. So I think he's going to be a, a great addition, even though you lose an Alex Kappa to free agency, you lose a Ali Marpet to retirement. I think that they have enough 
already there and you probably see them add a jc treader here i mean the rich get richer if you if you add jc treader to that offensive line they're they might be back in number one for me but we just don't know if they're going to be able to get the guy yet so i don't want to give them that and just keep them at number one but um i think they'll be fine tom brady i mean with the wealth of talent that they have they're going to find somebody to, a, a nice veteran center to get in there and play and they'll be fine um and then number one i mean this is no surprise the philadelphia eagles you know four-time all-pro jason kelsey uh, two-time All-Pro Lane Johnson, uh, Jordan Mailata is going to project to be a, a Pro Bowl All-Pro. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with Isaac Sayah Malu, but he's rock solid in in, in the run game. Um, they led the NFL in rush game rushing yards per game last year. Um, they were eighth in sacks allowed, so they're, they're great in pass pro as well. And this is you know nobody really cares about the offensive line coach except people like me, right? But <laughs> Jeff Stoutland is probably yeah, the best coach, for sure. in, maybe arguably in history. Uh, Jeff Stoutland's incredible. I know him from when I was, you know, getting recruited by the University of Alabama. So I've had a, a long history with with him. So just getting to see him go up there and, and do his thing at, at, in Philly has been great. But no matter who is in there, they're going to be coached up. They're going to be technically sound. They're going to be nasty because that's just what Stoutland requires. So that's why I have zero, you know, they're, they're as dependable of a group as there is in football. So that's why I feel comfortable putting them up in number one. All this is health permitting. Offensive mm-hmm. line. We get banged up, you know, you're going to get people rolling into you. You're going to get shoulders popping now when you're punching and time of your punch. All this is health permitting. But right now, those are my five offensive lines that I can just depend on right now. And I don't have to think about it. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I like that we're all just a little bit different, but there are some obvious ones. And, and you know, speaking to you, Kyron, a lot of the guys, a lot of the lines that are in my top five, they all have historically good offensive line coaches like that that's such a big right. part of this unit because they have to play together so so well you know like I said before it's it's a bit of a weak link unit so if there's a guy who's hurt or if there's a guy who's struggling that's it, it really affects the line so let's go through now I similarly took injury into account with this probably more than either of you guys did so for that reason I couldn't put uh, Green Bay up there which I wanted to, but I just couldn't justify it because they're missing guys, especially uh, Bakhtiari, who's been out for so long. Same thing with Baltimore. With Ronnie Stanley, I hope he comes back because he's so good, but, man, it's been over a year for him, too. And, unfortunately, Tampa fell out of it, too, because Jensen is such a big part of why they're so incredible. Not to take away anything from Tristan Wirfs, but with three new additions up front, being comfortable with that in front of Tom Brady was uh, had a lot to do with Ryan Jensen, a lot to do with him. So that being said, I'm going to jump in. I'm projecting this a little bit as well, but I have the New York Jets at number five. So George Fant at left tackle, he's coming off of a very good year on the left side. You know, he had kind of an interesting trajectory to his career coming in undrafted transitioning transitioning from basketball to tight end in college and then tackle in the pros which is tough to do he's developed a nice career for himself and he's looking at an, at an extension coming up but he's a name that a lot of people don't know but he played really well last year at left guard they got Lakin Tomlinson bringing him over from the 49ers after a very good season uh, Connor McGovern's probably the weakest player on the bunch but he is still solid uh, at right guard. Got Elijah Vera Tucker, top 14 pick in 2021. And then at right tackle, you got Mekhi Becton, top 11 pick in 2020. I know he missed some time, but as a rookie, 
he was very, very good. And I'm, I'm excited to see what this full line can do uh, in the outside zone because I think that that right side of Vera Tucker and Becton is going to be pretty nasty in that run game. They're both super athletic, both super physical, and I think that they'll be paving the way. Um, at number four, I have the Detroit Lions. So Taylor Decker at left tackle, very solid. Jonah Jackson developing well after uh, being picked in the mid-rounds a couple years ago. And Frank Ragnow at center, one of the best in the game. Just like one of the hardest-nosed centers that we have in football right now. Watching him play is really fun. And if you notice something, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these lines have a better center. There's just not that many guys that move the needle at center. And most of these lists have one. Uh, right guard, they've got uh, Halapulavati Vaitai. You know, not the best tackle in the world, but plays well at guard. And then Panay Sewell, their top 10 pick uh, from a year ago. So I'm projecting this one a little bit similarly to the Jets. And I, I, hopefully Taylor Decker can play well for the entire year and be healthy for the entire year. But I do expect him to be as much as you can expect that. So they're my number four. At number three, Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's it's like you said, Kyron, for them to just turn around and add four new starters and to be that successful, that's really, really hard because you just you don't have that that consistency. You don't have that experience playing with each other. So I was impressed with how they went full throttle to accumulate the players, but I was even more surprised at how effective they play together so you got orlando brown at left tackle um, you got joe tooney uh, amazing guard at left guard uh, creed humphrey came in and was one of the best centers in football as a rookie and you got trey smith picked late has a ton of talent because there were some you know health questions but that looks like it's worked out the only real question is lucas niang and he does have an injury right now uh, he's on pup but it's kind of vague if he's going to be back in time. I, th I think he's going to be back ready to start, so I put them on here. Number two, Cleveland Browns got, you know, what is there to say that you guys haven't already said? They lost their center, J.C. Treader, um, again, just to get a little bit cheaper. But I've been hearing the same things that you have been, Kyron, that they're pretty confident with him playing at center. And he's he's gotten a ton of snaps in practice over the past couple of years because Treader doesn't practice that much. You know, he has a lot of knee stuff. So Nick Harris right. has kind of low-key more experience than a lot of people realize. Um, and then the rest of the guys, it's just an all-star cast. And then, of course, how could you not put the Philadelphia Eagles at number one? I mean, Jordan Mailata developing as a, an unheralded seventh-round pick to become one of the better left tackles. Landon Dickerson slotting right in at guard, probably earlier than they expected, but played super well. You got the legend, Jason Kelsey. Sumalo, again, you're right, is, is the one question. But it's really more question due to injury than than quality. And right. Lane Johnson on the right side. So I this is, I will say, this is the one out of all of the position groups that I, that I, I went through where I didn't have five in my elite tier. Because as I was tiering out all of these cores throughout the NFL, you know, I had five or more elite groups for all of them except for offensive line because there's just not that many elite offensive linemen and it, it's hard to get these guys hard to find them so i will that's say that's why that. you pay them so much money yeah man <laughs> hey i do want to say one thing though i 
I love the Detroit Lions pick there. I think that they're the most underrated line in football by far. And Frank Ragnow is by far the most underrated player in football, not just offensive linemen. Ragnow is absolutely incredible. And he plays for the Lions, so he doesn't get a ton of love. Mm -hmm. But if you watch the film, you watch the tape, that dude is incredible. So great, great job there. Appreciate it, man. Okay. Let's move on to the skill groups. This is this is the big one. This is the fun one. Because everybody, everybody kind of knows who are in their top five, top six quarterbacks. You know, only the diehards really like to dive into that offensive line. But who doesn't love some wide receivers, some running backs, ranking those guys? So, Kyron, let's do it. Who do you have as your top five skill groups? All right. And I want to start this off by saying I don't feel like this is that controversial at all. I feel like it's very cut and dry. Like, so that's the intrigue of this because everybody's going to have a different top five. But I feel like it's very, very simple here. I'm going to go number five. I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Samaje Pete Ryan, uh, even guys, the fourth guy, Trent Taylor, is is a great fourth to have if you're an NFL team. Um, They lost C.J. Uzama to the Jets, but Hayden Hurst is going to jump in and he's going to be fine. they even improve the offensive line, which I think is going to help the skill group a lot. They're just always going to be very loaded with talent because they're so young. So for the next four years or so, that group is going to be able to stay together because you only got to pay Joe and Jamar, essentially. Everybody else is under contract. And I think that, that group is just only going to gel and continue to get better. Um, the division is going to be tougher this year, so that might limit some of the numbers. But if we're just looking at, skill set depth chart the like the actual depth of the roster i think that that skill group is really 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 good um number four i'm going to go the new orleans saints and this is also kind of projecting kind of kind of like we did with the offensive line projecting health if michael thomas jarvis landry and alvin Kamara are healthy that's as good as any you know trio you can name in football you add chris olave from the draft you bring back mark ingram at running back to back up alvin um, Traquan Smith and Marquez Calloway proved to be serviceable players. If that's your fourth and fifth guy receiver, that's an incredibly deep room. Um, you have to give some love to Taysom Hill because he's going to be a, a utility guy. and They can use him in, in different ways, different packages, especially red zone, short yardage to get, you know, those first downs, and those touchdowns. He's a great addition to a, a skill group. So um, even Kevin White, what I'm hearing from people down there that Kevin White's having a great camp. If that's your sixth guy receiver, I mean, you're doing something right down there. So coming in number four, the New Orleans Saints. At number three, I'm going to go to the Miami Dolphins. When you add somebody of Tyreek Kill's caliber to pair with Jalen Waddle, then you add a Cedric Wilson, you keep Mike Isicki, you bring in Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostart, Sony Michelle, Muhammad Sanu, you bring back Lynn Bowden Jr., and you add a guy like Eric Ezukama from the draft. I mean, that is arguably could be number one but you have to see it first uh mm-hmm. when you just talk about the depth and the actual the richness of the roster that's as good as any skill group, skill group as you could ask for um i think they're going to be incredible this year and the good thing about it is people have questions about two uh this and that but you don't need to throw the ball 40 hours down the field with these guys you throw slants you throw digs you throw quick outs you just get them the ball and let them go and that's the beauty about that roster is you can just give them the ball and let them do their thing so at number three, I got the Miami Dolphins. Number two, I'm going to go with Los Angeles Rams. I think from what I'm hearing, they're going to bring Odell back, and that could be great later in the year if you bring a guy of his caliber because he flashed with them. He looked like the Odell of old. 
during that playoff run in those last couple weeks of the season. So projecting him to come back, uh, you got Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson Jr. They proved to be a, a very solid one-two punch. They could improve a running back, but I think that's for what they do, that is a great one-two. And then you have Cooper Cup. I mean, there's not enough superlatives for that guy. That guy's incredible. Uh, played against him in college, and we held him to like four catches and 99 yards, and we thought it was the best thing we ever did. <laughs> so uh, that says everything about Cooper Cup. Allen Robertson, when you add him from the Chicago Bears, he's a Pro Bowl guy. I think that his skill set speaks for itself. Finally being able to break free of that franchise and, and really get what he wants. I think he's going to be re-energized. Uh, all, I see a different highlight from him in camp every day being posted on social media. So we're looking for him to continue his great play, but actually be more excited about playing every week. And when you're excited about playing, you're going to have more fun. You're going to, you're just going to be better. And you have Tyler Higby, who's a great tight end. I think that group is incredible. And the production, they might not be the biggest and most exciting names, but if you're watching these guys play, they produce as well as anybody. So I'm excited to see them this season. They're coming in at number two. And for number one, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think it's that debatable, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, when you add a guy like Julio Jones to pair with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you're bringing back Leonard Fournette, who some people have their questions about his dedication, but I don't. Everything we've seen from him on the field in Tampa has been very, very, very productive. I can't remember exactly how many uh, catches he had, but he had over 50 catches last year. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield, great short yardage back. He's going to get you the tough yards and third down and in the red zone. And then when you add a Russell Gage, you had a Cameron Brait and a Kyle Rudolph at tight end. You had a Brashad Perryman to be the fifth and sixth guy. I mean, Scotty Miller's still there if you need a guy like that. Uh, Tyler Johnson and Sil Grayson Jr. Are, are very serviceable if they ever need to get in in a pinch. I mean, I think top to bottom, that is the best skill set that you could ask for, especially when you're pairing them with a Tom Brady guy that's going to, whatever that potential is, he's going to get the most out of them. And I think they already are incredibly talented. But when you take that into account, who they're playing with and the offensive line they're playing behind, that is the best skill group in football. So for me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best. Yeah, we definitely have some differing opinions here. Uh, <laughs> but again, injury did come into play for me for for a lot of these. Um, and I don't know, man. I'll give you mine in a minute, but I have some differing opinions. You know, I will say a lot of them were hard for me to keep off the list, but they'll be different. All right, Stephen, what about you? Who do you have as your top five skill groups in football? Man, Kyron came swinging. I mean, some of those picks really <laughs> caught me off guard, and some of them made sense when I thought about it again compared to my list, but. Uh, I won't waste too much time. Number five, I have the Dolphins. Uh, it was kind of hard for me to be projecting about these teams because while the Miami Dolphins have basically built, you know, a super offense, they haven't been together. So that was kind of interesting for me to kind of evaluate, okay, is this total talent going to overcome a lack of, you know, cohesiveness? Is there going to be too much pressure on Tua? But just focusing on, you know, the three cores, wide right receiver, tight end, running back. I think Miami has one of the best, one of the best trios at that, that you could say, and even some fourth and fifth guys that are also very good. Uh, number four, I have the Bengals. Uh, I know it's very Jamar Chase heavy uh, right now, you know, throwing wise, uh, very, I mean, with, with all due respect, he should be, you know, considered one of the best wide receivers and showed that he, he has the trajectory to do that. Uh, Mixon's going to have to have a great season again. Uh, Higgins is a good option, you know, for Joe Burrow on the number two position. 
And then you also have Hurst on there, who's I, I think the Bengals showed that they could be very offensively dominant at times last season. And sometimes it's just maybe a bit of youth that kind of holds them back. And I, and I think just getting that Super Bowl run experience will even strengthen who they already have even more. Uh, number three, and obviously we haven't heard from you, Max, but I would be curious to know if you'd have this team when you do it. Uh, I have the Los Angeles Chargers at number three. Uh, I think the Chargers are a sleeper Super Bowl team. I think they have pretty much everything you could want to compete, and I think they have everything you would want to directly compete with the Chiefs, who are in the AFC West along with them. Uh, you have Allen, Eckler, Mike Williams, and Gerald Everett. I mean, just from Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams' perspective, I mean, a very dangerous duo. Allen continues to be one of the probably quietest elite wide receivers. I think not a lot of people give him too much press, but he is very consistent, shows up, has veteran hands, very reliable for Herbert, and I think that's helped their team overall. So I really, really like the Chargers, uh, maybe more than most people, but I really think they have that kind of offense. I'm going to switch it on the fly because it, it makes sense to me. I'll say the Chiefs are number two and the Bucks one. Uh, Chiefs two, I think a lot of people are scared that Tyreek's not on the team, but I think a lot of people also realize that the Chiefs basically got a five for one. I mean, you give up Tyreek and you bring on enough guys to kind of, you know, fill the gaps. I think you could never replace Tyreek's direct talent and abilities, but you can supplement a team to work without it. You can bring on Juju, Marquez Scaling, and uh, Sky Moore, and, they, and I think they can work well with Patrick Mahomes, and you still have the best tight end in football, Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. So I still think that has a lot of merit, and, you know, as much as you can not factor in quarterback in, in this ranking, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes. So with that being said, I think they still have one of the best offenses. I still think even without Tyreek Hill, they'll be successful, and they've always had uh, great offensive uh, coaching with Eric Bieniemy. So number one bucks, not much to say really. Uh, just loaded. I I kind of made a little joke on social media where I was like, you know, this is the Lakers of the NFL. I mean, you're bringing on just superstars, guys who you know were dominant, still can be dominant, and it's kind of just whether or not they mesh. It's whether or not you know a healthy Tom Brady offensive line performs. Uh, Julio, you know, lives up to Julio standards or, or some semblance of that, and. I think the Bucks are once again maybe headed for an NFC championship appearance or you know at least a divisional uh, at the minimum. So I think Bucks won for me. Wow. So I I'm different, guys. I really am. You know, for me, the Bucks did not make my list because you know you look at Mike Evans and I can't say enough good about him. He's incredible. I, I what he physically has in his toolbox is it's it's rare. There really isn't anybody else quite like him. But, you know, he's getting a little bit older at this point and he can have a dramatic impact. I'm not quite sure if he can take over a game anymore. And a really important part of the, putting together this list for me was you had to have at least one guy who could absolutely take over a game and be unstoppable in, in, in on the right day. And so I just don't feel like the Bucks have that right now. You know, with Gronk Gronkowski gone and... Uh, Chris Godwin hurt, so he's not going to be ready right away. Like that, that just pulled them down the list for me, you know. And Julio Jones is a great addition, but also, you know, I saw games where he had to be the guy in Tennessee last year, and he just he, 
he just doesn't quite have the Julio Jones of old inside him anymore, you know? You know, in those joints, just he just doesn't quite have it anymore. And again, I, I hate to talk about legends that way because they've proven it. But at some point, you do have to realize time catches up with everybody. So I feel like I had to justify that one because you guys both had him at number one. But diving into my list, again, keeping in mind that absolute domination has to be present somewhere on, on the group. So number five, I got the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel last year, 1,400 receiving yards plus what he does out of the backfield. I mean, he can absolutely take over a game in any given week. I, I think he's an incredible player with a truly unique skill set that it's just hard to match up with defensively. And you got Brandon Ayuk, who I'm higher on than a lot of people. You got George Kittle, who he himself can take over a game if you don't have a guy that can match up with him. What he does as a blocker and as a receiver, it's it's pretty nuts, you know. Depending on what you ask of your of your tight ends, he is debatably the best tight end in football. I'm not taking anything away from Kelsey, that's for sure. Then they got Elijah Mitchell as a running back, but they got a kind of a running back by committee there. But just those three cat pass catchers, they get them onto the list at number five for me. At number four, I'm surprised nobody had these guys, but the Minnesota Vikings with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Herb Smith Jr., Dalvin Cook, and K.J. Osborne as their their top five skill guys. I mean, Justin Jefferson, to me, is he's so, 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 so good. And I think that he's just going to continue to be pretty much unstoppable, and he's so, so, so young. I know Adam Thielen's a little bit older. Irv Smith missed most of the season last year, or all of the season last year. But look, between those guys and Dalvin Cook, I, I think you have to at least nod your head head or tip your cap to these guys as one of the best in football. Um, then I've got the Dolphins at number three. You guys said it very well. Between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you have incredible speed. They have a ton of depth at the wide receiver position as well with Cedric Wilson and beyond. Mike Gesicki doesn't really bring anything as a blocker, but is a, a, a big-time threat as a tight end. And Chase Edmonds at two. I, I think, you know, probably running back is a little weaker for them, but they've got guys who can play. At number two, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. A.J. Brown, one of my favorite wide receivers in the league. Devontae Smith, now number two receiver after showing what he could do as a rookie. Dallas Goddard, who broke out last year and is one of the best young tight ends in football, uh, got his contract. Miles Sanders, I'm not sure why he doesn't really get the love that I think he deserves. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and call him a top five back, but I think he's a very good player. And then they've improved the depth there too. They brought in Zach Pascal. Quez Watkins is now your number four guy. That looks pretty different than it did a year ago. And at number one, for me, this, this is easy for me. The Cincinnati Bengals at number one with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Man, I love T Higgins. I like, I, I don't know how you cannot put that pairing as the best combo at wide receiver in football, period. Um, then Hayden Hurst, not the, the greatest, probably one of the weaker uh, top five spots on this list. But then you got Joe Mixon and you got Tyler Boyd. Like their skill group to me is absolutely incredible, especially considering Jamar Chase was only a rookie last year. So a little bit different. Um, I do feel very strongly about all of these groups, though. Guys, 
that probably could have been a podcast episode in itself. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, thank you all so, so much for coming on and talking offense with me. And we do have the defensive segment coming right up next. But I want to give you guys the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you outside of our good podcast here. Kyron, where can the people find you? At Kyron Samuels on all social media. So just come follow me there. I'm always talking ball on on social media and you get some funny other stuff too. But simple my name at Kyron Samuels. I'm sure we'll link it in the description or somewhere. And that's where you can find me, guys. Right on. And Steven, where can the people find you? Uh it's called S Finley Sports. S F I N D L E Y Sports with a Z at the end on Instagram. Uh I post stories do polls kind of talk football on there most other sports and that's really where i'm trying to starting a fresh kind of following for a professional career so you can hit me up on there excellent thanks again guys and we will have you both back on soon um we just did the the dolphin segment earlier this week before i hooked up with kyron and so we we didn't get him on for that one but we'll have him on again soon and steven you'll be doing the kansas city Chiefs segment with us in a couple of weeks so looking forward to that Guys, have a wonderful day, and we will see you both very soon. Thank you, sir. PlayActionPools.com has launched as the newest sports pool hosting platform. PlayAction is your spot for all of your football contest needs. Whether it's a pick'em or a survivor pool, PlayAction has customizable options for picking against the spread or straight up. You can pick for the NFL, college, or both. Check out their exciting Build Your Bankroll format, which operates as a virtual sports book. You know your buddy who's always bragging about what a great handicapper he is? Put him to the test with PlayAction's Build Your Bankroll feature. PlayAction is the best service available for your family and office pick'em pools. And it's what we're going to be using for our first ever Gridiron Heroics pick'em this season. Join our pick'em at playactionpools.com today for free. And you can play along with me and all of our writers for the 2022 season. If you love their format, and I know you will, you can use our special code HEROICS for 15% off your very own family or office pool. Go to playactionpools.com today. And I told you, we sat down in that room, and I said, hey, you're going to be the greatest receiver to ever do this. I told you, all of my critics... I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. I don't suck compared to you. Like, you, you suck compared to me. All right, it is my pleasure to introduce another of our Gridiron Heroics writers to help me go over the defensive core groups in the NFL. Let's welcome Ian Alden. Ian writes... (laughs) Hey, Ian. Uh, Ian writes about the Tennessee Titans and... Uh, generalized NFL coverage for our site. So thanks, Ian. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Max. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, we are missing one of our potential guests that we had scheduled. So it's just the two of us today. But that's all right, because I will tell you what, that first segment covering the offense went a little bit longer than I had anticipated. So with just two of us, this will probably go a little bit faster. Doesn't mean we don't love and care about the defensive side of the ball but i'm not going to complain that this one goes a little bit faster and keeps our uh (laughs) scheduled time a little bit more reasonable so we're going to jump right into the defensive line there's a lot of 
conversation about what's more valuable, coverage or pass rush, whatever you believe, there's nothing more fun than watching defensive linemen get after a quarterback. So we're going to talk about our top five defensive lines in the NFL. So I'm going to let you go first, Ian. We're going to go from five to one, run through, give me your points. And if there's any teams that you had a hard time leaving out, you can kind of include them too as a little, you know, honorable mention. Very good. Um, so yeah, uh, just going off of what you said about looking at defense, I particularly do love watching defensive football. Um, and uh, it's something that uh, I've always enjoyed. Um, and so, and particularly line play, I, I do like uh, seeing a solid off, uh, defensive line. Um, I think it can be a lot of the reasons, the foundation for a successful defense. Um, and so my top five, I have uh, number five, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. They've uh, they've got they're they're pretty stacked up front, um, including one of the best linemen in the, in the game with Nick Bosa. Um, they're they're they should be a good team all around, but I think this is going to be one of their stronger units um, as a team. So uh, my number four, I've got the Bucks, uh, Tampa Bay. It's hard uh, to to not acknowledge them. Um, Vita Vea is one of my favorite players to watch play. He that guy is just he's relentless. Um, He's he's so exciting. He, he seems like he's just making an impact on every single play. Um, and then they've got Indomitian Su uh, right there too. So uh, and then Will Golston. Um, last season, Vey and Sue combined for ten sacks for your tackle position. I, I think that's that's pretty strong. Um, so then uh, the next thing I've got are the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of question marks with the Steelers, obviously, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But I do think that their line is going to be uh, pretty strong. Of course, they've got uh, Cam Cameron Hayward. He's coming off his third first-team uh, AP All-Pro selection. Uh, he's just going to be a solid force up the middle once again for the Steelers. Um, and my number two, uh, this is a bit of a homerism for me, but I'm also confident in saying that my Green Bay Packers are going to have a really solid defensive front this year. Uh, they've got Kenny Clark, of course, uh, their perennial and still young uh, playmaker. He, he's, he, he's disruptive up the front. And then um, they went and got Devontae Wyatt in the draft, and I think uh, he's got some potential. Um, there's some excitement in Packers camp about him, what he's going to be able to provide, and just supporting Kenny Clark um, to create more opportunities for linebacker core and, and things like that going down. And the number one, I think this is not anything bold to say, but the Los Angeles Rams are going to again be the, uh, the top defensive line in the league. Um, Aaron Donald, of course, is a big factor of that. Um, but they've got some other solid guys too. I like a Sean Robinson. Um, he makes the best out of, <laughs> Donald getting double and triple teamed and he provides some opportunities for himself. And then Greg Gaines, he's, he's really solid too. So I think those are going to be the top five defensive lines in a league uh, this year. So yeah, some, some I definitely agree with and, and there were off uh, defensive lines that were hard for me not to put on. So the first one was the San Francisco 49ers. And I do, I, I, I love some of the guys that are on that line, but I just felt like they didn't have, quite as much talent across the board as some of these some of these other groups um, so they were a close uh, sixth for me and another one that you threw on there that I did not 
were the Rams. So it's interesting that you put them at, at, at number one because they were my number seven or, or right about there. I'm just missing this list because for me, they have solid players, but like I, to me, there's a lot of teams who have guys like Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson. And even though you could make a case for putting that defensive line on there just because of Aaron Donald, like just, just because of him, I just I couldn't quite do it because there I just wanted to give credit to some of these uh, defensive lines that just have so much talent across the board. Not to take away anything from Aaron Donald because it's ridiculous to even consider. To me, it's ridiculous to even consider that line for one guy, and yet we do, which just tells you everything you need to know about him. He's the type of player that you, when he comes along and you get to watch him play, he's he's a lifetime generational player that. Um, it's just unlike anything before and will be hard to see anything in the future, quite something quite like him. Yeah, it's true. All right. So jumping into my list at number five, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, and I include outside linebackers. If you are playing a three, four, like to me, Shaq Barrett, he's, he's a pass rushing edge player, right? So yeah. between Shaq Barrett, Rita Vea, and so they actually don't have Ndamukong Sue anymore. They have Akeem oh. Hicks in that spot but i mean that might almost be an upgrade at this point honestly akeem hicks is a very good interior defensive lineman coming over from the bears last year and then on the other side uh, you, you know they've got william golston but also joe tryon shoyinka first round pick from the 2021 draft so uh, they are absolutely loaded and uh, i mean vita Vea is just a handful man <laughs> he's he, he a guy that big at the nose tackle position shouldn't be able to rush the passer as effectively as he does. So that's, it's pretty crazy. The way he moves is just astonishing. Sometimes you're just, how does a man that size move so gracefully? Yeah. The balance and the explosion. All right. Number four, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. This one is just absolutely loaded. Now they don't have quite the same edge presence that some of these others do, but they are so loaded up the middle. I mean, so you got Josh Sweat, you got uh, Derek Barnett, you got Brandon Graham as your kind of traditional edge guys. And then you've got pass rushing Hassan Reddick, who will probably play that like edge slash linebacker for them. But then you got Fletcher Cox, you got Javon Hargrave, you got Jordan Davis. That is probably the best interior on any defensive line in the NFL, I would say. Like three deep, it's hard to hard to, to beat that. Yeah. Yeah. Depth is a major factor because um, it's a longer season and those, those dudes beat on each other every play. So it's a longer season and you got to rotate guys on the defensive line. Even, even if they're all healthy, you got to rotate them and keep them fresh. You know, uh, that brings us to the Washington football. Oh, oh man. I think it's one of the first times I've had to say commanders um, since like live <laughs> since uh, they switched the Washington commanders. I've got them at three. Uh, you know, they have just made investment after investment after investment in in the first round at defensive line. They've lost a little bit of depth, you know, uh, including Tim Settle, uh, Matt Ioannidis. But at the top, they're still ridiculously talented. Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, just absolute freak shows, you know, especially at the edge position. I had, I had considered them for this list and and i think you i agree with everything you just said i my only concern with them is just are they on paper they're going to be 
awesome, but whether it's scheme or health or whatever, it seems like they kind of get in their own way a lot too, uh, just collectively as a team. Um, so they've got a lot of stuff to sort out. And so that's kind of where I just was like, yeah, they're going to be good. You a know, little projection we'll with Chase Young coming back off of injury, but I, hopefully he will. Cause he's so fun to watch, you know? Um, yeah. You know, if, if, if he didn't have such a good rookie year, it probably would have been tougher to do, but just because we've seen it, we've seen what he can do already as a young player. I have some confidence. Now, at number two, I'm with you, Pittsburgh Steelers. What an incredible defensive line. And it's wild that they can lose a player as good as Stephon Tuitt and still be ranked this high. You know, between TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward, two of the best in the game, just between the two of them, they add Larry Ogunjobi late in the offseason to to come in and fill that uh, fill, fill that depth out with the loss of Tuitt. Um, they spent a second-round pick in the draft on DeMarvin Leal as well out of Texas A&M. He's an interesting guy. He might be bringing some real pass rush juice from the interior. And then Alex Highsmith, a lot of potential there as well. So Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot too. For me, uh, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt is as good of a one-two as there is in, in the NFL on the defensive line. And number one, I'm with you, Green Bay Packers. Between the breakout year for Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, maybe not quite as great as he once was, but then you got Jaron Reed blocking up the middle, and then the first round pick of Devontae Wyatt to come into. Like for me, it it's it's hard to imagine them not being absolutely dominant. And it, you know, a lot of people don't even mention Dean Lowry that much, and he's mm-hmm. he's not a star, but he's a very, very serviceable lineman and complements what they do very well. Um, yeah. He's coming off of maybe his best season of his career last year. So um, there's potential for that to, for growth there too. I think, you know, this is not to take away from, from what the run stuffing defensive tackles do because it's, it's hard, it's physical, it, you know, it's necessary, it's important, but it's not as rare of a skill set. Right. So it's it's not that they're not important. It's not that we don't value them. But those guys are generally not what sets a defensive line apart from the rest. Right. It's those pass rushers. And especially it's a star power, really. It's it's if you have a few of those guys, it just changes the numbers game. Right. If you've only got one guy who needs a double team, that's very, very different than two to three guys who could justify a double team on any given play picking who who's coming who who do we really need to focus on here and is there are there enough bodies to do that um all right yeah i so uh defensive line is um is such a great there's the nfl is just stacked with tons of great defensive linemen and one of the things i enjoyed about looking at all of this is you really do have to consider the outside linebackers a lot too um in looking at this and so i tried to it's hard to separate them sometimes, you know, because they're so cohesive. Some of these units, like you were saying about three, four, four, three defenses. So yeah, it's, it is, it's a very fun uh, thing to look at. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times, so over the past few years, even, even three, four defenses have been moving towards nickel and their nickel looks have generally been four two five, right? And whoever your best outside 
pass rushing linebacker. He's, you know, he plays the edge. In then in the past year or two, as we've been moving a little bit more towards, you know, what people like to call those Fangio fronts, um, you, you start looking a little bit more at these, like, um, uh, I guess, I guess you would say it's uh, a three. Three, three, five, kind of, because you're keeping those bigger defensive linemen in, in tighter formations, and you keep the two outside linebackers out there, and then, <clears throat> then you've got one uh, interior linebacker and then five nickel guys, and if you can get that nickel uh, defensive back to be a player who can defend the run if they want to, or match up with some of those bigger guys like a tight end. Uh, that does change the numbers game quite a bit. So it, it right now it's a little bit in flux, but the reality is like that outside linebackers and a three, four are about as comparable to a true edge defender as, as you can, especially when you're talking about that weak side rusher. Um, so let's move on to the linebacker units. And this is really for me was off ball linebackers, right? Like it seemed, it would be hard to justify putting the Packers on here if you're in, trying to include Rashawn Gary, right? Like he he's more of a defensive lineman than a linebacker. So I'm really looking more at at um, uh, Mike's and Will's when we're talking about this list. So if you want to jump into your top five list, I I, I don't know if I was super clear with that. I kind of wanted to leave it a little bit uh, open to interpretation. But who was your top five for linebackers? So um, there's a that's it, this was this was challenging because the again the NFL is very deep with some solid linebackers. Um, I, I picked the 49ers. I think they're going to be uh, for number five. I, the 49ers are. I, I think just across the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be pretty solid. Um, um, and then I liked um, you know I think the Vikings are going to have a pretty solid linebacking core too with uh, Eric you know Kendricks. He's he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and then, um, the saints, I think with, uh, Demario Davis and, and Pete Warner, they're, um, they're going to be pretty good too. Um, it's hard not to consider the Cowboys linebackers, even though that they have trouble staying healthy at times, but Micah Parsons is worth mentioning alone. He's, he's just a superstar. And, and, you know, you mentioned it's hard not to mention the Packers linebacking core at the same time because they're going to be in support of that line. You know, the defensive line that we talked about and Devondre Campbell, um, he, he's he's going to be pretty good for them this year, too. I, I, I Thankfully, I, I think the Packers defense is going to be pretty solid um, this year, which is uh, something I'm always happy to hear about. Yeah, I think the Packers defense is going to be absolutely elite. Uh, so the Packers, I just, I just kept them off the list because between, I mean, Devondra Campbell was awesome, but Quay Walker is a rookie and he's projected to start. And I, I, not that I would put them off the list just because of that, but there were some other really good cores that just edged them out because of that. So it did come into the play a little bit. So they, they were right off the list. I ended up deciding to go with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker core, Levante David and Devin White, just over them. Like I literally had Green Bay on, and then I I talked myself out of it and put Tampa at five. Yeah. 
Um, I I like their defense a lot, just across the board. The Bucks are going to yeah, be pretty solid too, for sure. And uh, you know, for the Cowboys, I couldn't put them on for kind of a similar reason. Uh, for Aaron Donald uh, is the Rams with Aaron Donald, but as great of a player as Micah Parsons is, the the m- most of his impact on the game, like the, the greatest value of it, comes as a pass rusher. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but I also found it kind of difficult to say. Well, I'm ranking linebackers off-ball linebackers. You know what I mean? So it's like if I'm not going to be using Rashawn Gary because of his pass rush ability as a linebacker, then I don't think I can really use Micah Parsons either. Number four, I put the Saints with Demario Davis and Pete Werner as well. Demario Davis is like the ageless wonder linebacker. (laughs) You almost never see guys this good, this long into their career. Um, So that's a fun one. It's fun to see see him still killing it, you know. uh, and Pete Werner is kind of coming on too. So that's a that's opposite ends of the spectrum between a much older player, very accomplished, and a young player who looks like he's going to be very good. Uh, again, a very good defense overall for, for the Saints. Buffalo Bills. I could not do a linebacker list without the Bills on there. Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Um, you know, the Buffalo defense gets a lot of chatter about their secondary, which is well-deserved. But I think a lot of people don't realize how good their linebacker play is. You know, especially, I bet you, I bet you the majority of NFL fans could not tell you who Matt Milano is. Like, if you brought up his name, they'd be like, I don't know, Alyssa Milano's brother or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But big-time player. Absolutely, absolute stud. Um, At number two, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the the uh, uh, I guess Shaquille Leonard now we're gonna call him um, yeah yeah um yeah they were pretty high on mine I mean they were some a team I considered as well so so they're number two for me Bobby Okereke and they're a deep linebacker unit too when you look at their third and fourth guy so um, they were up there but to me the number one linebacker unit in football is the 49ers with Fred Warner and Trey Greenlaw um, just. Fred Warner is an incredible player and he plays the mic like the truest form of the modern off ball linebacker, not necessarily like a heavily used pass rusher or blitzer for much, but as much, but very good against the run and tremendous sideline to sideline and coverage. And Dre Greenlaw is very, very good as well. So that's my top five. Again, Packers were just off the list. Um, th- that for me, impactful linebackers are somewhat more rare. So there were only the six teams that I really considered putting in there. Um, and, and the Packers were just the odd man out for my top five list. All right, let's move on to the secondary. Um, this is interesting. Um, let's jump right into it. Uh, <clears throat> okay, let's jump right into it. And give me your number five secondary. All right. Uh, my number five. Let's see here. I got my notes here. Um, I had the. Um, so I think the Ravens are going to be pretty good this year on their secondary, as they typically are. Um, they seem to have a knack for uh, drafting aggressive uh, you know, safeties 
DBs, anything like that. They're, they're just going to be really good. Um, the Buccaneers, again, make this list. Um, I think they're going to finish overall probably top five, you know, overall defenses this year. Um, and a large part of that is going to be their secondary, too. Um, the Browns. Um, the Browns have a young, talented secondary. Um, we'll see how that goes. They've got a, a mountain of other challenges in front of them, uh, not really even related to the defense. But yeah. um, they they should be a solid core, and I think that they're uh, they're going to be productive for them this year. And um, I guess I am sounding more and more of a homer because I do have the Packers um, having a really solid secondary. They, the Bills are another team – Obviously, that they're going to uh, be among the top core uh, groups, but I sort of figured that they would probably pop up on some other lists as well. So I'd give them uh, other people an opportunity to talk about them. Um, but with Jair Alexander, Amos, uh, Savage, the Packers' uh, defensive backs are going to be a great supporting role for what I think will be one of the better lines and just overall. Uh, a really, really good defense for this season. Yeah, no doubt. So, so your top five, give me your top five, just list them off from five. Okay. So uh, Ravens, Buccaneers, Browns, uh, uh, Packers, and then Bills. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Bills as uh, my number one uh, defensive back group. Okay. So mine, mine's pretty similar. Uh, Some similarities uh, and, the ones that I don't include here that I haven't included, they're right up challenging for a spot there. The Browns were tough for me to leave off. Um, you know, they, they were, uh, they were right there, uh, but I had a couple of others that I had to include here. Number five, I have the Los Angeles chargers. So with the addition of JC Jackson and having Asante Samuel jr. Across from him, Bryce Callahan as your nickel defender and the versatility of Derwin James is that all-over safety linebacker uh, slot corner. You got Nasir Adderley, too, as your other starter. But, I mean, that secondary is is just nasty. The only real question I have about it is J.C. Jackson. And that's not because of what he can do. But there's a reason the Patriots let him walk. Now, you could say that's just because that's what they do. And maybe there's some truth to that. Generally, corner is something that they've spent on. So, you know, if that's your argument, probably not as sound there. And then there's the, also the question of why only $16 million in free agency? You know, and I've heard some stuff that he may have a questionable work ethic and that you've really got to grind on him to get him to, to be his best. And it's that's hearsay, really, but... I mean, when you look at the other things surrounding it, the, the 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 Patriots not electing to keep him, not even making an offer, him only getting sixteen million, it does, yeah, it does tend to to support those things that I've heard. But all around, that's one of the best secondaries in football. Uh, the Miami Dolphins come in at number four for me. Xavier Howard across from Byron Jones, and you've got Nick Needham in uh, the slot. Javon Holland coming off of a very good rookie year at safety and Brandon Jones at the other spot. I mean, uh, you know, pound for pound, probably two of the most proven corners on the outside on any team. Number three, I've got the Baltimore Ravens between Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, 
Um, and now uh, Kyle Fuller as well as their third corner. That's a really nice trio. But I don't even know how much Kyle Fuller will play compared to a lot of other nickel corners because they've got Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, and Marcus Williams from the safety group who will probably be on the field a fair amount altogether. Um, absolutely. I think that's going to be a pretty nasty secondary and it's going to be a huge bounce back year for them. Hopefully after all those injuries and number uh, two, I've got the bills with Tredavious white, Kyrie Elam, Taron Johnson uh, as your top three corners, uh, having Kyrie Elam come in as your number two corner. That's big. And it's, it's, it's really big. If Tredavious white, isn't quite ready to start the season because at least you still have a very talented number one. But once you got them both, that's great. And then from the safety position, maybe the best safety duo in the NFL between Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So I've got them at two. And honestly, the only reason I have them at two is because of Tredavious White's injury. And I do expect him to be good this year, but we know, I mean, we just talked to Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, and we know that coming back from that injury, he's probably not going to be 100% Tredavious White until a little bit later in the season. And then my number one group are the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so between Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, who came on strong as a rookie last year, Rasul Douglas, who revitalized his career as a nickel corner, uh, Darnell Savage, who is a good safety, maybe not like what you hope for with a first-round pick-level safety uh, like investment, but good. And Adrian Amos, who I can't believe that the Bears let him go in free agency. I mean, I know that they already had Eddie Jackson and coming up and stuff, but what he has been for the Packers as a free agent addition has been absolutely tremendous. So, look, I'm not a Packers fan, but I'll be the Packers homer for you. I mean, they I have them as the number one defensive line, the number one secondary, and they barely missed my list at, for the top five linebacker cores. So, look. When I say I think they're going to be an elite defensive unit, I mean it. I'm not just saying that. Um, you know, it, you do see some trends. There are a lot of uh, teams that have more than one group on this list. Like, like Tampa Bay, they have the, the linebackers, the defensive line. You could make an argument for their secondary as well. Um, Green Bay, again, we just mentioned them. But um, the Bills... They have a good defensive line. They didn't quite make it on this list, but I've got them as a top uh, uh, secondary and a highly ranked uh, uh, linebacker core. Or if you wanted to look at San Francisco, again, great linebacker core. And justifiably, you could put them on their top on your top five uh, defensive line ranking as well. Like a lot of these defensive units or, or defensive uh, sides of the ball for these teams have more than just one elite unit, you know, and that just, it kind of speaks to the investment that teams are making and the coaching that they're getting. So if you have a good defensive line, there's a good chance you have some good defensive pieces elsewhere. There's a trend that I'm seeing here. Yeah. So, it's complimentary football, you know, I mean, these groups all need each other's support and um, to be successful, um, you need that cohesion. All right. As much as I would love to sit here and talk defense for the next hour or more, uh, <laughs> I think just because uh, that offensive side ran just a little bit long, I think this is where we'll call it for today. Ian, thank you so, so much for joining me. And can you let everybody who's listening know where they can find you? 
Uh, yeah, thank you, Max. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, so I am on Twitter at Ian Alden. Uh, that's E-O-N-A-L-D-E-N. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, you won't find a lot of sports content on my Instagram. You'll see sort of my photography side. But um, I will be uh, posting an article related to this podcast um, uh, later today. Uh, so look for that on gridironheroics.com. Thank you, Max. My pleasure. All right, Ian, we will see you very soon. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening along. You can find us anywhere podcasts can be found. And if you do use Apple Podcasts, a rating and a review goes a long way. So we do appreciate that. And next episode will be Wednesday. We're going to jump right into the NFC North, followed by the AFC North on Friday. And that'll do it for this week. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And I will see you all very soon.